This is the Great IO Get Together, originally recorded on YouTube Live. Although you can listen to the show as a podcast, you only get the full experience by visiting thegig.online/youtube. Welcome to the Great IO Get Together. On tonight's show, quips and queries about the world of work as IO psychology comes alive. Now, please welcome our hosts, Richard and Tara. Thank you so much, Harry, and welcome everybody to the Great IO Get Together number 25. The cost is correct with uh, Song Chi Lao. This is my co host, Tara. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to subscribe, ring the bell, join Discord, join our email list if you haven't already. Details about all of that are available on our website, thegig.online. All of our regular shows, and this one is no exception, have two halves. In the first half, we have a little fun. Second half, get a little more serious, all with our guest today. So our guest today is going to be Dr. Song Chi Lao, uh, professor in the Department of Management at the Robinson College of Business at Georgia State University. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Today's game is cost. The cost is correct, and uh, this game has two parts. In our first one, called one bid, Tara will be presenting some common, maybe not so common, objects or ideas related to IO psychology. Uh, Songchi and I will be guessing their prices. The winner of each round is whoever gets closest to the actual price, uh, without going over to the actual price or cost. And the second part, called the showcase showdown, we'll have to guess the total cost of the sum collection of things. Or ideas. I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, so uh, literally everything I just said is all I know about what we're about to do. So I will hand it over to Sarah from there and we'll find out together. Yeah, that's really all you need to know. But I do like to keep you on your toes. Can't give you all the <laughs> all the answers ahead of time or that would give you an unfair advantage in the game. So just like you said, I'm going to give you some objects or concepts, we'll say. And you will tell me how much they cost. I will keep track of the score, and then the winner will get a special bonus game. You ready? Absolutely. Let's do okay. this. Okay. All right. We'll start with a real easy one. So, um, first question goes to Song Chi. Uh, please tell me how much an individual user license for SPSS costs. <laughs> for SPSS. All right. I'm going to say 1200 1200 okay richard your guess mm, this is uh, a non-student license this is like a regular license just a regular license wait, wait, wait. you can ask questions come on <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm gonna say 800 800 um the correct answer is 15,900 or you can have what? it for a 99 a month subscription so it's going to be closer although you're both way off wow yeah, really? It really wow. makes you think about the privilege of academia, doesn't it? We just yeah. have it for free. They've, yeah. I think I was anchoring on M plus prices. Is that what I was doing? <laughs> That's kind well, of my I reference think... too. Yeah. <laughs> That's about 800. We should probably explain what SPSS is for our younger audiences, huh? I doubt anyone uses it anymore. It's oh. a stat software package, folks. Don't worry about it. All right. Here's <laughs> the next one. It's very easy. And you both better get this. How much does a student membership of PSYOP cost? Ooh. And so I think uh, Richard, you go first for this one. 
Mm, I think $55. 55 okay, 24. 55. Can I do that? <laughs> 54.5. Well, you're both very close. It's 59. Um, dollars. So um, Richard is closer by 50 cents. Just for comparison, by the way, APS is 88 and AOM is 106. So we are still the best game in town, just in <laughs> case you're wondering. All right, next question. This data comes from the SIOP salary survey. And the question is, and I have to decide which one of these I want to ask you. Okay, what is the median salary for somebody with two to four years since their doctoral degree in IO psychology. And so it's on to your first. In salary, I'm gonna say 93,000. 93,000, okay, Richard. Uh, I'm gonna say 105. 105, okay, you're anchoring on each other, but that's okay. The correct answer is one hundred and ten thousand wow. um, dollars, with a mean slightly above that, but not too shabby. So, Richard, you are closer by your nose. Um, let's see if there are any other interesting stats here. Yeah, median salary for someone right out of school is one hundred for someone with twenty-five plus years of experience, one hundred and sixty k. So, not as different as I would think, but. I, the means are much different than the medians. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm advantaged because I looked that up recently because someone asked me what the current difference between masters and, and doctoral graduates was. Mm -hmm. And I was actually surprised that it is, it's been around the same percentage for like 30 years. It's like a 40-ish percent uh, advantage to having a doctoral degree. It hasn't changed a so lot. So you cheated is what you're saying. Mm. That's fine. Some cheating is expected in this game. Although no Googling. <laughs> I forgot to tell you that. Definitely no Googling. Um, all right, well, speaking of historical trends, this one is related. So, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of baseline information. So in 2018, the gender pay gap for IOC colleges was such that women earned 87% as much as their male counterparts. Hmm. So now tell me, what is the gender gap for 2021? So women earned blank percent as much as men in IO jobs in 2021. And I forgot who went first last time. I think, so I'm you think it's your turn to start. No. It's Richard's turn to start. Hmm. It, sure, we'll say so, Richard. Okay. So we want to guess a, a gap, but not exceeding the actual gap as close as possible. <laughs> yes, right. so we're breaking the <laughs> cautious correct rules here, but yeah, so don't go over the percentage number that you are guessing. Hmm. Uh, but the percentage could be higher than one, you know, if they earned more than men. Hmm. Oh, so and Richard, the... you go first. Wait, the anchor oh. was was eighty seven. Is that what you said? Eighty seven in twenty eighteen. Mm -hmm. Oh, in eighteen. Yeah. Uh, oh gosh. Um, I'm gonna guess eighty five. Eighty five. So you think it got worse? So cynical. Um, Sachi. I'm gonna guess eighty eight. Slightly better. Eighty eight. Slightly better. I like the optimism. Well, the actual answer is 94%. So we are catching up to you. So look wow. out. Um, so this is the best it's ever been, apparently. Um, still not perfect, but pretty darn close. Yeah, I know during pandemic, mm. women's uh, employment rate have improved a mm, lot true, yeah. compared to men. Mm. So hopefully their income will catch up as well. 
they're probably correspond right because they're yeah. the, mm-hmm. the commuting variable is sort of taken out of consideration that's a good point all right okay here's a well i was about to say that's an easy one it's not easy at all um so so to you work at georgia state university so please tell me what is the average rent for a apartment in atlanta <laughs> okay and what's the average rent for one person uh what what's the parameter overall so include one bedroom two bedroom three bedroom and include all kinds of neighborhoods and locations and clogs and so this we're is just talking about monthly 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 okay um and and atlanta or metro atlanta uh <laughs> let's say atlanta atlanta <laughs> wow uh i don't know i'm guessing 800 800 okay and richard that sounds very optimistic to me uh i'm gonna say 1200 1200 the actual answer is $1,852. Mm. So you are both wrong, but Richard is less wrong. Mm, I'll um, take it. Yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> Apartments are expensive. And mm-hmm. yeah. what was interesting to me about this is that it didn't vary as much by neighborhood as I thought it would. So, you know, mm. some of them were closer to 19, some were closer to 16, but generally speaking, all very, very expensive. Yeah. And it's the same everywhere, every city. Um, all right. So we've covered how much SPSS costs, we've covered how much student membership in SIAP costs, we've covered how much an apartment might cost. Now I'll ask you a very difficult question, which is overall, how much does a PhD cost? For individual, <laughs> for school, for-, for Like how for... much money are you spending to get a PhD? I am um, spending as the student in the South. Yep, yep. Yeah, an interesting other question would be how much the university is spending on you. But right. I'm asking mm-hmm. you, how much a person is spending on their PhD? And Richard, you're first for this one. Mm. <laughs> That's so. This is like Ooh. all inclusive. Yeah, all costs. Count Here, I'll make it even more specific. Mm. How much is the average loan debt for a doctoral degree? How about oh, that? okay. So, you know, most doctoral degrees, it's weird in I.O. Most doctoral degrees people still pay for. Uh, you don't always get the assistance. Is that true? Most? Most? Uh, really? If you look across all of them, like there's a lot of, you know, like for profits that don't uh, do anything. There's, yeah. I'm going to say. Oh, 20,000. 20,000 average loan debt. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to guess 25. 25? The actual answer is $112,000. Mm. So Ooh. as long as she takes it. Mm. However, it is important to note that you should not be taking out a ton of money for your PhD. Um, the university should be paying you a stipend. Right. Of course, you still have to take out loans to cover things like food um, and yeah. SPSS, which Wait. is like, you know, 50% was... of that. But was. <laughs> Was the was the prompt doctoral or PhD? Doctorate. Ah. Um, it is split out by doctorate of education and doctorate of philosophy, but they're not that different. Oh, it doesn't include JDs and MDs. I, I don't think. No, no, yeah. No. That's okay. 
Wow, that's that's, 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 that's still very yeah. high though. Yeah. 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 Well, it's again, I, I think we, we may we, we may be undercounting those for profit schools and a mm. lot of PhD programs that are a lot more costly than we yeah. are but we're used to. Yeah. Yeah, and they they award at a much right. higher rate. There's way more like per school per program than traditional yeah no financially whatsoever yeah Mm -hmm. yeah all right last question of the first round Mm. um i forgot who went first oh okay so sanchi's gonna start with this all right it's a little little different what is the cost of a four-hour shark cage diving expedition in south africa (laughs) south africa wow i think it will be easier to guess if it is i don't know canada no, I'm kidding. Of course. <laughs> I think they're equally hard. Uh, are, are we are we guessing dollars? <laughs> I converted it to dollars. Yes, you four can hour dollar. experience. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna Swim guess. With the great whites. Yeah, a thousand dollars. One thousand dollars, Richard. Yeah. I'm gonna say. Wait, does it? No, nah, I will not. Okay. I'm gonna say uh six fifty. Six fifty. So just before I tell you the answer is you're currently tied at three points each. So whoever oh, wins this wow. wins. High stakes. Oh. High stakes. Mm. But I've already decided I'm gonna make you both play the final round anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um the correct answer is $175 plus $40 for the shuttle. So you both went over. Ah, wow. So you lose, okay. which means you're actually tied and now you have to. Um, but this is the best deal in town, frankly. I mean, I yeah. tried to do this last time I was in South Africa, but apparently <laughs> the orcas had eaten all the great white sharks because orcas eat great white sharks. And so there were no sharks, just orcas, wow. um, which orcas are cool too, but yeah. not the same. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So the final score is three tied at three. So now you will both play the, what are we calling this game? final uh, showcase showdown showcase yeah that's co- probably copyrighted we cannot call it that we'll call it the showdown of showcases yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right so the way that this works is that instead of guessing the price for one item you're going to guess the price collectively of a bunch of items that i will describe to you and the bunch of items that you will be guessing is one coffee break at the sign up conference to serve 75 people <laughs> and what that includes is the following four gallons of regular coffee, four gallons of decaf coffee, four gallons of hot tea, four gallons of iced tea, six dozen cookies, and three dozen bananas. So that is approximately enough food for everyone to have a cup of coffee and a cookie or a banana for 75 people. Ish. <laughs> So I'll give you a minute to think about this. You can use a piece of paper if you want to. I was. Would you I was, like me to say it again? And yeah, I need notes. It was. All right. <laughs> four on. gallons each. Four <laughs> gallons each of regular coffee, decaf coffee, hot tea, and iced tea. Four gallons each of those things. So that's a total of sixteen gallons of liquid. Mm-hmm. Uh, six dozen cookies, and three dozen bananas. All right. I, I think I should know this. Uh, you can I was ask putting together a budget a, a few months ago. Yeah, but but I totally forgot now. I should right. know this. So yeah. I'm going to flip an imaginary coin and say that Sanchi, you go first. So your guess is first. 
Okay. Uh, I know this is this is way more expensive when I when I saw the number uh, the last time I was trying to put together a budget. Uh, I'm gonna guess twenty two hundred. Twenty two hundred for coffee and bananas. Richard. Oh no 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 no! But but that that was I was talking about like like. Some food included, I think yeah, food and vegetables. Just, also, just cookies and bananas. Just coffee. Wait, wait. Okay. Can I can I can I retract? <laughs> you can revise your answer, yeah. yeah. There's no there's no revise, food. Revise and resubmit. Uh okay. Uh so I'm gonna lower it. I'm, I'm gonna say uh eight hundred. Eight hundred. All right, Richard. Oh. Coffee and bananas for seventy-five people. Yeah. My back of the envelope comp, uh, calculation here. I've got twenty six hundred dollars for that. Twenty six hundred dollars. Because I'm, I'm, think, right. I'm thinking it's, it's, I think it's a lot. No wait. Well, hold on. I'll, I'll give hold you on. the breakdown. Okay. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I give up. No, I think that's it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Not All right. <laughs> so I will tell you the following things. Bananas cost five dollars each. Um. Cookies cost $72 a dozen. That's right. Um, a gallon of coffee costs $165. And a yeah. gallon of iced tea costs $95. So um, oh. let's just let that sink in for a minute. Yeah. When we think about where our PSYOP membership money goes, that it goes to $165 gallons of coffee. Mm. When we add that up, a coffee break for 75 people is uh, $2,900 and $2,900. 72. So, Richard, you were very close. Yeah, yeah my initial um, guess was, was, was all right. Your initial guess was very close, so I'll yeah, just count yeah. your initial guess. <laughs> Still, lose the game. That's all right. Well, this is a very close game. You're both fierce competitors, um, but ultimately, it's Richard by nose. The coffee break saved you. So, right, well done, yeah. both of you. Congratulations. Um, great job. Thank you. I hope we, I hope we learned a lot and had fun. So, Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, no more fun and serious interviews. What? No more fun? Maybe a little. And we are back. Um, so Tara is going to take us through uh, through an interview. All right. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> so, Sangchi, we introduced you as a professor at Georgia State, but you have another hat that you're wearing, which is NSF program officer. So maybe you could start by just telling us what that is for people who have never heard of this term before. Sure, yeah. Uh, so what that means is I direct a funding program uh, at the National Science Foundation. Uh, and the program is called a Science of Organizations. It basically supports uh, research to advance theory on the design and management of organizations. So a lot of things we study in our psychology, uh, including you know, the behavior and well-being of individuals within organizations, uh, you know, pe how people relate to each other, uh, their organization and the system in the whole. Uh, these kind of research topics are within, uh, you know, the, the typical type of research projects we fund uh, in at uh, for a science of organization. Uh, and you know, but we also fund research in other areas, uh, things like you know, organizational behavior, uh, strategic management, uh, nonprofit management, operations, uh, organizational communication. Uh, so my job is basically to you know manage this annual budget uh, that NSF gave me. And then identify and recommend high quality uh, projects, uh, proposals for funding. Uh, so basically working with, with my colleagues uh, at NSF, uh, we make sure you know, the principal investigators uh, as well as the universities 
they're uh, compliant with the funding requirement. Uh, I, I read and then I approve the reports uh, from the awardees. I also you know, monitor their progress and learn about their achievements. So it's quite an exciting position. Yeah, it sounds like barely any work at all, just a piece of cake. Um, <laughs> I mean, it also sounds really exciting. So how did you um, find out about this and become a program officer? Yeah, well, you know, the short answer is that I applied when there was an opening, uh, just like any other job. Uh, I was interviewed, uh, you know, passed the background check uh, before I was hired. Uh, there's a long answer uh, to that question, of course. I mean, you know, if I had to trace my journey, so to speak, uh, to the National Science Foundation, I, I would start with my grad school years uh, at University of Maryland. I remember helping my uh, advisor uh, put together some materials for an NSF uh, grant submission. Uh, and then, you know, that was my first experience uh, with the funding gate. Uh, I, I remember the department has quite a strong culture uh, in terms of uh, funded research. Uh, you know, at, at my first job at Penn State, I submitted a proposal. I was really lucky uh, to receive an award uh, from the National Science Foundation. So soon after, I started, uh, you know, reviewing for NSF. And then a few years later, I was put on uh, this uh, panel uh, where, you know, reviewers discuss and rank order uh, proposals submitted uh, to the program. Uh, then after a few years, uh, I applied for this uh, program director position. Uh, the process is just like an academic job, which you know includes individual interviews, uh, group interviews, uh, a job talk where you you know describe your what your research is about, kind of your vision for the position you are applying for, uh, and you know being selected for this role to me is really an honor and I experience uh, I will never forget. And so it sounds like. Um, people who are potentially interested in this job should just keep an eye out and try to get involved with panels and reviews as a, as a first step. Um, and that's pretty good advice. Well, and so speaking of panels, maybe you could talk a little bit more about how you decide who to recommend for funding. Like, what does that process look like? How are proposals yeah. evaluated and how do you make decisions? Right. Absolutely. Happy to talk about it. Uh, so we follow the merit review process, right? So each proposal submitted to the Science of Work Relations program will be reviewed by a few experts uh, in the field. Uh, so they are asked to evaluate the intellectual merit and the broader impact of the proposal. Uh, so intellectual merit uh, refers to the potential to advance knowledge. Uh, for example, you know, generating new theory, coming up with new measurement instruments, uh, or you know, help building research infrastructure, and answer you know, questions that uh, previously have not been answered before. Uh, the broader impact, on the other hand, is basically the potential to benefit society as a whole. Uh, for example, you know, by generating innovative policy implications, uh, new managerial practices, uh, or innovations that can improve the efficiency of work relations or you know the well-being of people within uh, these work relations. So you know the intellectual merit and broad impact uh, roughly corresponds to the theoretical research implications and the practical or managerial implications that we open write in our thesis dissertation or uh, published papers. Uh, in addition to uh, the, the, the qualitative evaluations, uh, you know, the reviewers also rate the proposal right on a five point scale. And we take into account, you know, whether the reviewers think they are the proposal is poor or fair or good or very good or excellent, then the panel will try to discuss uh, and talk about what are the positive and negative aspects uh, of the proposal and try to put it in, in, a, in a bucket, in a category. 
which we will then talk to the dealership about potentially funding the proposals that are put in the highest or the second highest category by the review panel. That's basically how the, the process works. That's really helpful. And, and my experience is that the broader impact criterion is the hardest one for people to really think about. I think it's surprising, like all scientists understand how to explain the scientific merit of their work. But when you start explaining why it matters to society, it's less comfortable for people. Mm -hmm. Is that your experience too? That's right. Yeah. So a lot of times you see, you know, people do a really good job and the reviewers are excited about uh, the, the scientific contributions, right? How people advance theory, how they come up with innovative uh, measurement or research paradigms. But when it comes to, you know, how does your research project help advance some of the more important societal uh, uh, objectives, uh, you know, help, let's say, the economy run more smoothly, or how do you improve the health and well-being of workers in the particular industry or particular sector of employment? Uh, that's kind of when many of the researchers struggle. But I do think that's very important. And when it comes to uh, evaluating uh, the proposals, we do hold you know, intellectual merit and broader in impact equally uh, important. So it's really sort of, you know, it, sometimes I see this for journalists as well, right? When you know, journal editors or reviewers challenge uh, authors to, to come up with uh, practical implications, especially those that are different from what uh, have been previously proposed or, or mentioned by other research, I do encourage people to, to really think through uh, that part of your thesis dissertation or research papers rather than, you know, think that as a secondary kind of contribution compared to what, what you uh, contribute to theory or, or research at all. Very helpful. Um, <clears throat> well, it sounds like you're really experienced with NSF before you joined as a program officer. You were a PI, you were a reviewer. That said, what was the thing that surprised you the most when you showed up for work as a program officer? What was the thing that you weren't yeah. expecting? Right. There, there's still plenty of things that, that surprised me uh, on day one. I, I think my biggest surprise is probably, you know, how much collaboration there is among program directors, right? Before I joined, mm. uh, I truly had little knowledge about how different programs are related to each other and how these, you know, interdisciplinary projects, for example, are, are received by uh, NSF. You know, it, it's not set up as if we're in different uh, departments and we really talk to each other. Uh, no, I think there's a pretty a collaborative environment there. Uh, so, you know, soon after I become a, a program director, I received a bunch of requests from uh, my NSF colleagues uh, to co-review proposals from other programs, such as uh, social psychology, uh, sociology, economics, uh, decision-making. Uh, that makes me realize, okay, maybe I should bring some of uh, projects submitted to Sue Science of Organization, uh, to my colleagues' attention as well, because these projects... They also draw from uh, and try to extend, you know, theories from other scientific disciplines. Uh, so building relationships with uh, these other program directors and try to facilitate this co-review process or co-funding process down the line is something that's really important. And that's a pleasant surprise uh, to me. That's, that's a great point. And it's also good advice for PIs that they should be thinking about that and making sure that they're potentially speaking to more than one program or um, mm -hmm. indicating to the NSF program officers that they think there's a collaboration um, possible. Right. That's great advice. Um, you also talked about emphasizing broader merit as advice. Is there any other really key piece of advice that you wanna share with people who are potentially thinking about applying for funding? Right. Uh, my advice is simple, you know, do your homework, right? 
what I what I mean uh, by that is is rather you know trying your luck and sending a you know half baked idea to a program you barely know. The researchers really uh, spend time preparing for that opportunity, right? So you know to begin with, uh, try to study the program solicitation. Uh, reach out to the program director and see uh, you know whether your program is a whether your research project is a good fit uh, with that particular program or not. A, a, lo a lot of my colleagues are. Uh, you know, try to respond to uh, inquiries from potential PIs in a timely manner so they can tell you uh, whether this is a good fit or maybe it's not a great fit for their program, but here's another program they should be uh, considering. Uh, you know, try to study the funding rules, right? Uh, such as, you know, whether the program funds a doctoral dissertation or not. Uh, does the program serve mm -hmm. as a primary funding source or it only co-funds with other programs? Uh, is there a, a submission deadline or, you know, do they consider proposal on a rolling basis and they can accept a proposal at any time of the year, right? Uh, the, the funding record is, is public information. Uh, so on NSF's website, you can find projects funded by each program and their abstract, uh, the total award amount, uh, the time frame of, of the award. So I, I encourage you to take a look at the uh, pr projects that have been funded by the program you're interested in uh, and see whether your project is at least comparable in many aspects to uh, these, these past awards. Uh, another aspect of, of doing your homework, I think, is to work closely with uh, the grant support person uh, at your department, a college, university, uh, uh, or your professional association, right? So a full proposal submitted uh, to us is often 60, 70, 80 pages long. And uh, among that, only 15 page or so uh, is the document that describing the actual uh, research activity. And there are other important things like, you know, the researchers about biographic information, uh, budget, uh, budget justification, uh, various support letter, et cetera. And you really need to, your, your grant persons to help uh, in terms of putting all these things together. And they need to be, again, consistent with the requirement uh, of the funder. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, my suggestion is uh, all that takes time and careful work. So try to inform your grant support, uh, support person of your intention to submit a grant proposal as early as possible, often several weeks or even, you know, a couple of months before uh, the submission deadline. So give them enough time to work with you to help you prepare for a thorough uh, and a complete uh, submission uh, to make sure that you maximize your opportunity to get funded by uh, the, the program you submit to. That's excellent advice. I mean, what I heard there is that people can call you with their problems and you will help them. Is that fair? People can email me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I will pick up the phone every time, but I will try to respond to their email. <clears throat> Terrific, terrific. Well, yeah, I think that's great advice that, that just involve other people and ask for the help that you need and, and think about this as a team endeavor. And, and there are so many people willing to help and so many people who have good information to share with you. You should take advantage of that. That's, that's great advice. Well, lastly, I want to shift away from NSF and um, talk about something else that's very exciting in your career lately, which is we would like to congratulate you on your election to the SIAP Executive Board. Um, so wonderful. We're very much looking forward to having you on the board. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you'll be doing on the board, what your role is? <laughs> sure. Um, thank you so much. I'm, of course, very excited about this role. I'm also a bit nervous. Uh, you know, I recognize this is a great responsibility. 
and I'm not sure I, I'm fully prepared for this role. I'm going to need a lot of help from you know the fellow board members, uh, either SAP volunteers and the SAP staff. Uh, I think you know in general uh, membership is in good hands right now. I, I want to continue our journey toward a more open, uh, inclusive, and more engaged membership base. So I'm not looking to uh, change things that are working well. Uh, you know, we want to continue leveraging uh, our membership conference and uh, Korea uh, services data to, you know, help SAP make uh, strategic decisions. Uh, I want to keep working with, you know, conference portfolio officer to improve the networking experience of our conference goers, especially uh, newcomers. Uh, you know, we have done uh, important work uh, related to, uh, you know, researching and implementing succession planning uh, to enhance the SAP leadership pipeline and readiness of the committee uh, chairs and volunteers. I think we want to continue uh, doing these, these important things. Um, I also, you know, want to keep the uh, uh, good momentum going, right, in terms of coordinating uh, word, uh, history, uh, fellowship committees to celebrate uh, the SAP members' achievement and uh, you know, support their professional growth. I, I think these are all good things I really look forward to. Uh, if I have to you know, think about things that perhaps we are, are not doing uh, um, as much as we could, perhaps, uh, I would say maybe we can do more outreach uh, in terms of going to uh, universities uh, that uh, do not necessarily have a graduate IO psychology program, right? To let people know, here's what we're doing. Uh, here is you know, great, uh, employment opportunity after, uh, let's say, you get a master's or, or a PhD degree in psychology. Uh, so help people understand uh, the science that we're, we're trying to contribute to and the career path that we may help people uh, establish uh, in the future to help establish the reputation of biopsychology in uh, undergraduate programs, uh, even, let's say, high school level. Uh, people may not be familiar with the term biopsychology or what we do. I hope we can do more outreach uh, so that we can, again, broaden our membership base and help establish a more uh, open, inclusive, and diverse uh, SAP membership base. That's amazing. Well, unfortunately, I heard that the current president's a real jerk, but the rest of the board is great, and so I expect good things ahead for everybody involved. Um, well, Tomji, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for making time to chat with us. I think that the information you shared about NSF is incredibly valuable to people and your price guessing skills are very impressive as well. So thank you so much again um, for coming. Very generous. See you. <laughs> thank you. Right. Richard, back to you. Yeah, that, that is it for gig number 25. Uh, remember to subscribe, ring the bell, join Discord, join our email list, all of which you can do at thegig.online. A uh, little sneak preview, uh, as of our next season, we're going to be switching it up a little bit, uh, a little bit of a change in programming uh, to accompany the release of Tara and my new book. So more about that next year. Uh, otherwise, that's it for this week. So thanks for watching. We will see you next time for another great I.O. get-together. All right. I was going to give a thumb up. Oh, the times were hard and the wages low. Leave a Johnny, leave a I guess it's time for us to go And it's time for us to leave her Leave a Johnny, leave her Oh, leave a Johnny, leave her For the voyage is done and the winds don't blow And it's time for 
That's it for another gig. To stay in touch, subscribe on YouTube, check out our website at thegig.online, join our LinkedIn group, sign up for our email notification list, and join our Discord. So many ways to connect. Thanks for joining us, and see you next time for another great I.O. get-together.